1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Sutra is here, and uh, Doc Shanner is the guest today on Word Balloon. You know, Evan, Doc Shanner, wonderful work over the years, fantastic uh, covers for uh, DC collections of... Uh, Silver Age and Golden Age comics, and uh, of course variant covers. Wonderful work with uh, people like Jeff Parker and Tom King and Josie Campbell recently doing a wonderful Mary Marvel uh, series, uh, the new champion of Shazam. And uh, it's great to uh, catch up with uh, Evan, uh, one of my favorite artists, one of a lot of people's favorite artists. It's just iconic images when you think of his covers and interiors uh, his wonderful work with uh, Mitch uh, Gerrits on uh, Strange Adventures, the Adam Strange Tom King uh, story that uh, Mitch and Doc uh, achieved so well. Uh, It seemed like, you know, Doc was doing the sunshine story and uh, Mitch was doing uh, the dirty truth in that wonderful story. But that's just uh, an over... uh, explanation of uh, an exaggeration of uh, what they were able to achieve. It's really fun to talk uh, to Doc about his uh, process, his influences, and his work. Doc Shaner, on today's Word Balloon. This episode of Word Balloon is brought to you by Pulse College. Pulse College has three decades of a proven track record, delivering professional industry training courses in audio, music, film, games, and animation. Since 1991, Pulse has received international recognition for both its vocational and practical-driven academic courses. All courses are designed and delivered by experienced industry professionals and offer cutting-edge blends of academic perspectives fused with practical skill sets in the areas of film, music, games, and animation. This combined with the unique teaching and learning environment of the iconic Windmill Lane Recording Studios makes world-class industry education attainable. from around the world, can join in in a variety of short courses offered remotely via Zoom in the fields of sequential art and design, 2D animation, 3D animation, character design, and game environments. For more details, visit pulsecollege.com. Hi, everybody, welcome back to Word Balloon. This is John Suntress uh, with an important plea for 2023. Uh, you probably read the headlines uh, Word Balloon took a sponsorship hit. That was pretty significant, and uh, I'm asking you, if you've ever been a fan of Word Balloon and considered uh, making a donation through Patreon, uh, a very uh, meager but important subscription, I hope you'll consider it. Um, It's going to be a challenging 2023, and uh, I need your help. So if you like Word Balloon, if you enjoy the content, I'm not going to slow down and keep bringing you some excellent content. But uh, I could really use your help via Patreon, patreon.com slash wordballoon. If you can afford the price of a comic book, if you can even afford a dollar a month, it would be greatly appreciated and uh, help the cause to uh, keep Word Balloon going at the level and intensity that I've been doing uh, in the last uh, four or five years. And uh, bring you a lot more content and uh, a lot of great uh, interviews and interesting things about the pop culture world. Patreon.com. Slash Word Balloon. I could really use your help. Thank you for your attention, your time and listening to Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by Alex Ross Alex has been a longtime sponsor of Word Balloon. I greatly appreciate it. You got to go to his website. You will find tremendous art from original work covers Pages, Fantastic lithographs, amazing posters. Every price point is covered and every subject is covered at alexrossart.com. You've enjoyed his iconic looks at DC and Marvel, but also great stuff like his wonderful work on the monkeys, Monty Python. So many other great pop culture things that Alex has put his fingerprints on. His wonderful Flash Gordon poster that evokes the fantastic Dino De La Renta, Sam Jones movie. Recently, Alex did things like uh, the timeless Marvel covers featuring great solo shots of all your favorite Marvel heroes, and of course his Fantastic Four full circle graphic novel still available. All waiting for you now at alexrossart.com. Welcome back, everybody. Time again for Word Balloon, the Kalpa Conversation Show. John Sutras here. I'm always happy to welcome Evan Doc Shaner back to Word Balloon. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, John. Doc, have I ever asked
2: you how you got your nickname? Uh, you may have, yeah. Uh, it's oh, it's people. a it's a school nickname I picked up in middle school because of my dad. Um, oh, nice. My dad, yeah, my dad teaches, uh, or he just retired this year. But um, my dad is a music teacher and taught in the same district that I went to school, and so all my music teachers knew my dad, and my middle school director called him Doctor Shainer. He wasn't a doctor. But he just liked calling him that, um, and then when I got into middle school, he started calling me Doc Shaner, and it just kind of stuck um, through school. That's awesome. And then it just it became easier to use because everybody messes up Evan. So, no, I, <laughs> there you go. I, no
1: it's great, man. Um, yeah. So your dad being a music teacher, did you did you take a, an instrument?
2: Oh yeah, yep. What'd you play? I uh, I started out on trumpet and um taught myself piano and then over the years um played a bunch of different stuff uh all the way through college and um yeah but my my focus was trumpet
1: okay have you ever uh you know try to especially now with the software available have you ever made music and stuff or you know try to try to do anything elaborate with it
2: I would love to. That's I keep telling myself that I'm going to, like, take some time and really do something like that. It's I traded one job that takes up a lot of your free time for another. So, <laughs> you know, what little free time I do get, um, I do try to play still. Um, but I would love to actually sit in the courts and stuff. Yeah.
1: Oh, this is hilarious. Already we've got some great uh, comments from people. And uh, Greg McKean says, all right, get ready for the Black Canary and Wildcat questions. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Both of us. Uh, especially Wildcat for me, you know, being the boxing guy. Oh, yeah. and, um, the great Ted Grant. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I Yolanda Montez is just fine. And uh, oh, also yeah. Wildcat's son. But come on, man. Ted Grant. Yeah. Heavyweight <laughs> champ. You know, yeah, Sam Coyett saying hello. But, uh, yeah, tell tell me about and, – and also – Black Canary, that wonderful design. Come on, the mm-hmm. boustier, the fishnets. I mean, just that beautiful blonde Femme Fatale, Veronica Lake, I think original design probably.
2: I imagine that's got to be in there somewhere, yeah. You know,
1: Yeah, so tell me about both of them. What do you love about these? I mean, obviously it's design, but what else?
2: Uh, I, part of it is the relationship between the two of them. Um, whether you're talking about uh, Dinah Drake or Dinah, Lance, you know, and this is mostly in the modern context, of course, since, you know, 90 or so. Um, But I, for me, uh, with Dinah Lance, I love the kind of semi-found family aspect of the two of them, Um, with her losing her father as a child. And, you know, there's several, depending on, you know, everybody's got their own sense of continuity and what they Think counts for a character, but um, you know, there's many stories where Ted has lost a, a son uh, because of a supervillain. Um, and I just love the idea of the two of them kind of finding each other uh, in in that moment, and and young Dinah kind of you know scrapping with Ted and everything. I, I just there's a lot there that I think is, is really incredible.
1: Greg says he just checked on Wikipedia, and the main Im- the main image used for Black Canary is still yours. That's great. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's yeah. Crazy, it's it's, it's got to be six or seven years old now. Um, oh, that's From funny. a cover from years ago, yeah.
1: Well, hey, man, listen. You know, I mean, I grabbed to promote this. I grabbed it's <laughs> world's yeah. finest image because it is so iconic. And you did a great run of these uh, collected uh, DC volumes where you were doing the covers and stuff. And truly, Doc, mm-hmm. and I'm not the first person to say it, it's that wonderful combination of knowing your influences but putting them on and spin at it at the same time. And, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. So who who are your guys? Who are, who are your uh, influences?
2: Uh, I mean, my main three are uh, Joe Kubert. He was the first one to really, like, that was the, one of the first artists I really latched onto, who I saw had a distinct style I loved the storytelling. I loved his figure work. Um, so much of his line work was so seemingly effortless and it, and it just moved. Um, and even as a kid in high school who didn't really have a great grasp of why I liked what I like. Um, I knew I liked that. And um, so Joe was the Joe Kubert was the first one. And then uh, it was Mike Marengo. Of course. Ah. And, uh, and then Darwin cook. So those uh, are my main three guys. Does not surprise me. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> did you have a chance?
1: You know, Mike passed away maybe before you were a pro. I'm not sure. Uh, it, uh, he
2: passed in 09. 2008 oh. or nine. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I remember well. Sadly, I always say, man. You know, you'll forgive me anytime anyone brings up Waringo, I always like to say, and it really meant a lot. He was like the first big creator. That took an interest in what I was doing, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, hey man, any any suggestions on how to do good interviews with creators? What are boring questions or whatever? I'm like, please, you know, I'm a sponge. Tell me, tell me what I need to know. And he was incredibly kind to me. And I met Kubert before he passed away, and of course, mm-hmm. I, I, I got to know Darwin a bit before he passed away as well. Did you get a chance to meet uh, Darwin or Joe?
2: No, uh, Joe, I did. Um, well, that's great. Joe was. Joe was at the the very first convention I went to, and it was the whole reason I went. He, I, I don't know what brought him there in the first place, but he went to Mid Ohio Con in had to have been at, uh, maybe oh nine or or two thousand ten, um, and I'd never been to a convention before. But I saw that he was going to be there, and this was it. Must have been shortly after Weiringo passed because I remember thinking like, I got to meet these guys while I can. Yeah. Um. And so I, I, I made the trip out and uh, and I got to meet Joe. I was nervous as all hell. It was the most nervous I've ever been was meeting him, but he couldn't have been kinder. Um, I loved meeting Joe, he was amazing. He gave me that uh
1: kung fu grip handshake of his. You know, it's incredible. It's like, <laughs> I we just want to let yeah. you know, guess what? I can still snap you in too. And it's like <laughs> you can, man. No, he's
2: right. i I'd heard about it. And then I, when I met him going in, I was like, he's going to crush my hand. And sure enough, it was a tight grip. <laughs> That's
1: what made him great, man. No, he's and truly, man, the guy was just walking comic book history, you know, starting off when he was like 13
2: mm-hmm. erasing
1: pages and, and you know, bad lines and stuff for guys in the Eisner studio and the like and everything. No, I'm. Yeah. What a fan. I am. I'm such a fan. Here, a uh, Mr. Monarch. Nice comment. I'll always love Doc Shanner's future crest. I agree. Uh, Laval has Gotham by Gaslight villain designs. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, from Shazam, seems like his Mister Freeze design was the inspiration for a new McFarlane action figure.
2: I, I, somebody uh, sent me a link to that, and I haven't really had a chance because I think they've only shown just the um, kind of the, the chest up, sure. and it looks like maybe that's a possibility. It's a very like when you when you try to put mr freeze in the 1800s I, i'll admit that it's maybe not you know a wild left turn to put him in like a, a diving bell suit like the the big uh diving helmet and everything but yeah. it, you know if if it is an inspiration that's awesome and i will definitely get one <laughs> awesome
1: um where did i find it here jeff uh is going to uh, be in chicago and uh, hopefully we'll see him uh he yeah. says the work is timeless so filled with joy. Absolutely. That is the thing, Doc. Your your images are just so happy and just, just have that positive energy. He hopes you'll work with Mark Wa- Wade on one of his DC books. You two seem to have similar sensibilities. I would agree with that. Uh looking forward to seeing you in Chicago. Well, didn't you do a cover for the new Shazam that he and Dan Moore are doing?
2: Yeah. Um I I've I've only worked with Mark once and it was and it's, <laughs> I kind of, part of me loves that this is one of my only two things at Marvel. And so far, my only book with Mark um, was an issue of S.H.I.E.L.D. focusing on Howard the Duck. <laughs> and <laughs> and part of that makes me want to not go back to Marvel, just so I can say the only thing I've ever done is the Howard the Duck.
1: That's um, outstanding.
2: But, uh, no, I, you know, I've kept in touch with Mark over the years since then. And, um, when I did that variant for, uh, for Shazam, I I reached out. I've, I've talked to him a little bit here and there. I think it's, and I think he said similar, but, um, I'm always open to working with him again. I'd, you know, I'd love to, I, as Jeff said there, it's, I think we have a lot of same sensibilities and, um, and I'm a big fan of him. So yeah, it's always, I'm always open to it.
1: That'd be great. Well, God, man, you know, uh, I've I've loved your various designs uh, on Shazam. That convergence issue that you did a few years back
0: mm-hmm.
1: was so terrific as well. And uh, hey, man, I just read uh, the you and uh, Josie Campbell doing the Mary Marvel uh, thing from last year,
0: mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. that
1: was really great too. And look at Mary. I mean, you know, this is great. <laughs> I you know, I, and and honestly, Doc, this is me saying this. I I, I have nothing against the retooling of Billy and Mary and freddy um this this uh, thing that you know john started and then obviously he has been exploited in the two Shazam movies about mm-hmm. you know them being in you know the orphans and that their group of orphans all have become lieutenant marvels along with you right know, and, and mary and, and and billy and everything but i don't know man i i for me it really is the 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 trinity and i understand listen it's it's three you know straight white characters We want more diversity, and I think I appreciate that. But I don't know, man. It's the classic three for me. It really is, and still is. And that's uh, that convergence was such a fun throwback issue of Fawcett style Mm -hmm. Marvel and everything. I I really loved it. And I don't want you know again. I don't want you to judge. Are you you know again? uh, The the Mary miniseries really was a Mary solo story, which was terrific.
2: Yeah. You know. I, yeah, I, th- I think Josie was well aware of the need to address the other kids and make them so that they weren't just add-ons. Yeah. Um, but recognizing the need that we only had so much space for a story to tell and that it needed to be Mary's story entirely. Um, yeah. And I, I was actually a really big fan of what she did um, because she found little ways to include them and, and – For me, at least, really gave them each a distinct personality that I think can that other writers could in the future could um, take and run with. Um, Not you know nothing against what Jeff and Gary had laid out right uh, with the reboot. Absolutely not. Um, But I'll you know I'll admit that, like you were saying, um, before working on the Mary book, I was kind of similar. I I often thought that the other three were maybe a little unnecessary or just I didn't understand what they brought to the table. Exactly. Um, exactly. In terms in terms of story and um but that working on that book really gave me an appreciation for the three of them. Okay. Um particularly Darla, I love Darla now. Um but I think there's a lot of room to really mine some neat character stuff out of Eugene and Pedro as well. Um, would, yeah. So you know, and I think maybe, and I won't speak too much on Mark's stuff because I don't know how much I know that other people don't know, but <laughs> um, I will say that I kind of like the notion of scaling back who has the power for right now, so that later on maybe we can bring that that back to those characters and see how that changes them and how it affects them. So,
1: Toon Raider uh, says Mark's uh, current run. Is all about the Captain Mary and Freddie again. He's really uh, bringing Shazam back to its roots. What do they call Freddie these days? Because I know they kind of avoid the Captain Marvel <laughs> moniker for Shazam for Billy. Uh, and I get it. I so get it. Yeah. But it right. is a shame because, as you know, man, Christ, we had like literally fifty years uh, <laughs> yeah. of being Captain Marvel, and it's like right. now Shazam. and it's like, well, he can't really declare his name to anybody. Or he's going to change back to Billy. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. You know, whatever. But and also, good Lord. I mean, I loved when uh, when Judd Winnick had uh, had uh, had Freddie and um, uh, God. Now I'm blanking on the name of the book, the team book that he had him in. Um,
2: uh, was he on the Outsiders?
1: He was on the Outsiders. If not the Outsiders, I forget what they're called. Somebody in the chat's going to remind me. But they would yeah. call him CM. <laughs> you know, CM threes through CM squared. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you know, that might
2: have even been in the um, the Ordway Kraus book as well. I, you I know, think. you
1: might be right. I gotta ask Jerry next time I see him. Absolutely, you're right about that. Yeah. Good Lord. Um, okay, that's hilarious. Greg says Freddie the little cheese. Absolutely, man. There you go. Instead of the big cheese, why not, man? Um, yeah, and and uh, also DJ Riley says Billy's superhero name is the Captain in the Wade Run, and I and I like that. That's good, right? And he is the Captain for Christ's sake.
2: Yeah, and I think. <laughs> And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think Mark has kind of said it in a way that it doesn't feel like it's permanent necessarily. So, you know, we can just ride with that for now, and and kind of you know, all right, we, we all know what he means. Absolutely, <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll take that for now, you know.
1: Uh, Tomb Raider says, uh, "Wait, fix it by changing K- Shazam superhero name to the Captain as a nickname." Uh, Mary's still Mary Marvel, but yeah, I guess they haven't cl- clarified who Freddy is yet. So, and I don't
2: as far as I know, Freddy doesn't have his powers back yet. So I think maybe for right now it's a non-issue. But is, um,
1: is Freddy still uh, physically disabled?
2: Yes, he okay. at the beginning of Josie and our and my story, uh, Freddy had just come out of the hospital after being very sick. Um, okay. Uh, but he, you know what? <laughs> and this is nothing against Mark or Dan in any way whatsoever. But Freddie showed up in issue one of Shazam with black hair again, with no explanation. So who knows? Good. <laughs> Could, good. Hey man. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you
1: know, I, honestly, I mean, I love I loved CC Beck and Kurt Schaffenberger and everything and those designs. But those uh, Captain Marvel Junior stories that Mac Rayboy did. Oh, they're amazing. Oh, my God. It's like storybook beautiful. Mm -hmm. And as you likely well know, that totally the two guys that were completely gaga over that were Dean Martin and Elvis Presley. And it's like, oh,
2: yeah.
1: Two of the kings of cool are looking at (laughs) Mac Rayboy Captain Marvel Jr. stories and going, that's the look, man. That is what I want to do. And isn't that great that they're, (laughs) I just love that, that the, you know, the, the king of cocktail. Uh, cool and the the you know the king of rock and roll that they both they're like yeah that's awesome I love Junior Junior's great man
2: yeah with him. totally with him. He,
1: yeah
2: he's one of my favorites uh, you know and I have kind of looked at it as I had a good chance at Cap I've had my shot with Mary I, at some point I would love to come back and do something focusing on Freddie because I really love Freddie
1: that'd be terrific yeah I would love to, and just like yours and Josie's Mary story and stuff yeah let's get a Freddie story good lord. What's mm-hmm. You know, I'm telling you, that Judd Winnick uh, group, and I, it might have been the Outsiders, but there was... Uh, and he, for some reason, I'm thinking of Rebels, and I know that is or the one that he did at Marvel that was all the alternate universes.
2: Oh, right. Um, but it probably like was the outside. maybe. Or, yeah, well, I know Judd
1: did the... x Ex, was Marvels, yes, yes.
2: Yeah, uh, Judd did the Trials of Shazam.
1: That's which true, when too. Freddie yes, briefly it.
2: took over for, for Cap.
1: And Howard Porter uh, was the artist of that, yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. No, no, no. Yep. I remember that. Uh, Jeff says uh, I'd love to see Doc get a nice long run on Superman. I think along with Gary Frank, he's got a great, iconic look for the Man of Steel. Well, absolutely, man. You know, I mean, oh, thanks, again, I'll, I'll toss up that uh, wonderful shot. <laughs> of no, but again, there's a there's an innocence to him. I think in your face when you do uh, when you do Superman.
2: It's I, every time I draw him, I find new little things to kind of inflect in there. So it's it's an evolving an evolving process with superman in particular you did a, didn't you do a red white and blue uh superman story yeah yeah well i did a cover um oh, okay for the last issue yep we were oh. i think we were just wrapping up strange around that time so i i was doing a few covers
1: uh, Henry wants to know what shoes you're uh, rocking right now. <laughs>
2: Hi, Henry. Henry. He asks me this every time I see him at a convention. And I'm going to disappoint him because I'm wearing the exact same boring-ass Skechers I was wearing the last time I saw him.
1: <laughs> That's alright. Hey, did you see, if you're a shoe guy, did you watch uh, the Amazon Air movie with uh, Jordan and Nike?
2: No, but I, you know, it's I kind of want to see it.
1: <laughs> it's good. It Honestly, yeah. man, and especially yeah. being a, a Chicago guy that was living that sure. era and everything, it was great, and I forgot how important and vital Adidas was to the sports world. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's really like Converse Adidas and Nike going after Jordan in 1985 or 84, and it's yeah, like, yeah. God, you know, and it's like, wait a minute, and again, you know, I have my background in sports with, you know, uh, talk radio and everything, and I, and sure. especially boxing, and I'm like, you know, Larry Holmes was an Adidas guy. And I totally <laughs> heavyweight champion, man. So, yeah, he was yeah. there And also, uh, Rick Barry and Dr. J. Uh, I'm sure right. you've seen those 70s comics where it was the back cover oh, yeah. ad. And yep. uh, Rick Rick Barry did our TV show in Chicago one year. <laughs> and I, and yeah. I brought the cover. And he's like, I see this at least every month at autograph <laughs> signings that I do. He's like, that's great that you have it. And it's and I always make fun of him because you know you got Dr. J and totally vintage Dr. J, you know Slam Dunking and stuff, and then you got yeah. poor Rick Barry, the 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 stoic white guy. Now it's my turn, Julius, <laughs> and he shoots a three pointer or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and sadly knowing Rick Barry, it's like yeah, they kind of got you right, Rick. I forget who the artist was on that, but uh, sure. oh man, those are those are fantastic. <laughs> Hi, Larry. So, uh, Sean says hello and says, uh, Fire up chips.
2: Oh, shoot. Fire up chips.
1: What's, what's that a reference to, man?
2: That's, um, I went to Central Michigan University and oh, we, wow. we have the distinction of um, having, uh, by the time I got there, it was the chips. But when my dad went there, it was the Chippewas. And ah. in the meantime, the community came together and realized this isn't a great mascot. And maybe we've been horrible to the community. Um, so by the time I got there, uh, they were the Chips. That's a great solution, though. That's terrific. Um, it, man, I'll tell we you. didn't have a mascot to speak of anymore, but, but it, you know, it's, it's fine. You know, and now we get to say Fire Up Chips, which makes like no that. sense, but
1: I like it. Well, I like it, too, man. Well, you know, you're talking to a guy <laughs> who's in Illinois, so, you know, between the Fighting Illini and the Blackhawks, we still have our Native American yeah. uh, mascots. Uh, for better or for worse, I mean, I think you know the the Champagne, illinois people from illinois uh, for the u of i are very are very uh you know they have always involved the the, the Illini um tribe in in their stuff, and i I have mm-hmm. no idea what the current political status is and at least you know and and the Blackhawk well at least it's a noble depiction of the Blackhawk as opposed to Atlanta with the Braves or Cleveland with right. the Indians and stuff. I, I don't know. Yep. I, I don't yep. know.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky.
1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
1: Um, Toon Raider says, since they showed super-powered Freddy as a kid instead of a blonde adult for that flashback panel, I think they're just using old designs to get that classic feel for Dawn of D.C. And uh, let's see here, what else... Uh... Yeah, you know, whatever. If you know, it. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, not sure. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, that's funny. Mike says Freddie should be the ensign or the lieutenant.
2: <laughs> hey, he'd be the
1: lieutenant. You know, sure. I miss, although I miss uh, Fat Billy, Tall Billy, and Hill Billy, the original, lieutenant. sure. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Dudley, of course. Hey, it was great that Hoppy was uh, in yours and Josie's story. And man, it's that's, a you know, come on, man, and very. Hey, very vital. I mean, Hoppy, that that book was very popular in the 40s.
2: Oh, yeah. No, Hoppy's an amazing character Um, and one of the first, you know, funny animal books that really, you know, along with all the Captain Marvel stuff that sold so well. But Hoppy sold amazing and uh, absolutely deserves that spot in the pantheon of (laughs) comic book animals. (laughs) Definitely, man. Absolutely. Uh, oh, this is
1: interesting now, and I'm gonna. Uh, I hope I get his name right here, Doc. You've referenced, uh, Ava as a big influence on your color work in Strange Adventures. <laughs> uh, tell me who Evazovsky Ava is.
2: Uh, Ivan Ivasovsky is a is a Russian painter, um, and he. I discovered his work. He does a lot of landscape work. Um, very. Rarely ever draws, you know, paints people. Um, but it's a lot of <laughs> ships crashing on shores and oh, wow. very dramatic, like moonlit uh, water. And um, I-, I discovered him while we were working on Strange, and he just does this really vibrant, colorful uh, landscape work, which really lent itself well to Strange because we, I really wanted my side of it to look truly otherworldly. And so I really pumped the colors up pretty far. Um, but he, that was huge during Strange. Um, since Strange, I don't know. Everybody, it's it, You know, the, the list stacks up so high after a while of, of who I'm looking at at the moment. Okay, you know, I'm going to throw up your uh,
1: character designs for Adam. And as <laughs> I was telling you, man, I mean, look at that. First of all, again, that that uh, happy face, uh, which belies the story that we're, uh, you know, that, that Strange Adventure story is so great. And as I told you, I just love everything about Adam Strange, the fin, mm-hmm. the jetpack, everything. And, um, you know, I, and and Tom continues to do this with the black label stories that he does where he's not afraid to break eggs. In fact, we talked at length about him killing off Christopher Chance at the end of a Human Target. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's fine. I mean, if somebody wants to use chance in the proper DCU, it's fine. It's a black (laughs) label story. It's not all rules are off and everything. And truly that's what I love about Strange Adventures is this hero that is in Adam's mind and maybe he himself doesn't realize the deadly deeds that he did. And also Mm -hmm. that Alana going from this Sci-fi Lois Lane, essentially classic Silver Age Lois Lane. Oh dear, Adam can save me. To this very manipulative, uh, smart woman that uh, you know is is moving things behind the curtain that maybe Adam doesn't even realize is going on. Mm -hmm. And I uh, so tell me, tell me about that experience. And also, I mean, you guys, you Mitch and Tom, deserve all the accolades. Mitch Garrett's everybody. I'll come (laughs) say Mitch's last name right. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Garrett's, right? Garrett's, yeah. No, no, you got but, good, good. Um, no, man, it, that book was so great. And really, for your guys to have such different uh, art styles and yet be able to weave the story in. And it never it never was disruptive when one of you would take over for a, a, a page or a few pages and stuff. And was there anything you or Mitch did with your art to complement each other more?
2: Uh, I i mean, I can't speak for Mitch. We've never talked about it in that sense. Um, but I, yeah, there were, there were times where I would push it as, as much as I'm able to a little more toward Mitch's style where, cause there were certain places where I wanted to blur the line between them a little bit, um, for the sake of the story. Um, so, yeah, there, there were a few times where, or you know, for the most part, as, as the book went on, we stopped showing each other what we were doing. The first issue or two, we really were um, like, hey, what are you doing on this page? Let's let's coordinate. Let's really go back and forth and see what we're doing. Um, and then as we went on, we stopped showing each other more and more. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, like, Mitch got all my pages. Mitch was the one who put the pages together. Uh, before the issue went to print. Sure. So he would see all my stuff. But before then, we, I mean, we talk every day. Right now, I've got my messages uh, turned off because I know if I don't, I'm going to get a ton of pings from Tom and Mitch and Clay. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, I mean, we talk every day, but I, we stopped showing each other because we. I think we were trying our best to surprise each other and Tom. Um So it's funny because we, yeah, near the end, we we just stopped.
1: (laughs) That's cool. Dude, I remember, uh, and and I'm sure you do too, because, I mean, the significance of that convention, that C2E2 that literally was like a week or two before COVID shut everything down.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And and we had
1: that great dinner and everything in in the city. Mm -hmm. And my friend Jeff, who is not a comic book guy, but he still is like, those guys are really nice. I'm like, yeah, of course they are, man. I'm like, you know, so no, you know, that, that meant a lot to him. And, of course, we had a great time. So, uh, so no, that was cool. Um, let's see here. Uh, Greg says, let's see what Greg says. I love that both you and Mitch got a cover for each issue. Did you guys take turns designing the general composition of each cover? Or uh, did Mitch or you uh, have a general lead in terms of design?
2: Uh, I also loved that Mitch and I each got a cover because moolah. <laughs> but, um, no, we – the first cover I think we knew would be important to coordinate. So we – I don't even remember how we landed on that shot of – you know, on his is, is Adam kind of against a kind of a graffiti kind of look. And That's- mine is supposed to be, a you know, a pretty – standard take on a sci-fi hero kind of space opera sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We knew that we wanted to at least, if every issue wasn't exactly the same layout wise, that there would be at least be a thematic connection. Um, Okay. And I think, and it went back and forth sometimes, you know, one month I'd have a strong idea and I'd say, what do you think about doing this? You know, I, I tried not to tell him what to do with his cover. And the same vice versa, uh, he, you know, he would come in with an idea and I I'd go, well, I think I could do that with that idea. Um, and it, even now, I'm, I'm not sure I could probably remember which covers were his lead or mine. Um, but we knew that the first cover and the last cover would need to probably parallel each other in some way. Um, so that, that was pretty coordinated. But, you know, most of the stuff in between was pretty collaborative that's probably the most collaborative we got on the book. Okay. Very cool. There's something
1: too about the face that you do, and I'm zooming in on Adam on purpose here, that is a very mm-hmm. Dave Gibbons feel to faces. And I don't know if you've if that's conscious on your part or not.
2: No, but I, I, I think I can see what you're talking about. You know, I, yeah, I love I mean, Dave Gibbons' work, so I'll I'll take it. But um more more so I
1: guess on Adam. Yeah, sure. This, this especially like that image on the far right, uh, that straight-on uh, headshot and everything. There's just a gentleness mm-hmm. in the eyes and face that I see in a lot of Dave's uh, designs as well. You know? Okay.
2: It, it's I'll say like the the design for Adam, or at least I mean, Mitch and I were pretty simpatico on the costume. That you know the 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 small touches we made on the costume, Mitch and I were on the same page. Um, But Mitch, pretty much the, the, the face was all Mitch. Oh, I think. And it was nice because I think Mitch kind of pushed me out of my own comfort zone a little bit there because I don't know that I would have made his nose quite as big or quite as uh, pointed away from his face. And his chin is a little more jutted. Okay. His his jaw is more, I I think than I initially would have thought with the helmet and everything. Um, but yeah, a lot of that is stuff that Mitch brought to it that I I really appreciated because it kind of made me stretch out of my own comfort zone. His head is a little more narrow and taller than I normally would have maybe gone for. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, no, and then like again, a lot of that's Mitch um, and kind of the interplay between what we were doing.
1: That's excellent. I'm gonna. I, I'm, I was looking online to find some other uh, examples of art. Um, I'll go back to the comments, though, for a minute. Um, let's see here. Because someone was asking... Uh, there we go. Toon Raider was asking, um, y- y- I'm sure you've been asked this before, what's your favorite <laughs> DC character to draw? People have the idea maybe either Superman or Captain Marvel.
0: Uh,
2: I don't think I have one like just one superman's definitely one of them um he's as i was mentioning it's superman's a character that i feel i can keep coming back to and finding something new to kind of dig out of there every time i try um or at least i you know i i kind of surprise myself every time i draw him that it's there's something there that i didn't see before um definitely as john and i were talking earlier wildcat is somebody who I just I have a blast drawing. He, oh yeah, that's such a and it's you know my take is very much driven by the the Alex Toth vision. You know the the original the the Irwin Hazen um, um, version of him, and that's such a fun design that I, I could draw a wildcat all day. Have uh, you
1: have you did you have the chance to meet Irwin at all?
2: No, no, no. I I, I don't know the- when he when did he pass. You know,
1: I think it was definitely. (laughs) I don't know around. I want to say 2010, and again, people in the chat can uh, can uh, you know correct me at at the specific date. But um, in addition to his great Golden Age uh, comic stuff, he did that syndicated strip Dandy, and it's about the War Orphan. And man, you know, my sister and I had very little in common, but Sundays reading (laughs) Dandy. It was like such a thing. And I was so glad this is like 2008 or something like that in New York. Sure. And I'm just like, Mr. Haston, I got to tell you, I love Wildcat. I told him about my boxing background because he knew my editor uh, and good friend Bert Sugar from Boxing Illustrated. So we bonded over that. and uh, But I'm okay. like, I got to tell you, man, my sister and I, you'd have us weeping every Sunday over the adventures ah. of poor Dandy. And he's like, "Oh, thank you. That's very nice." And he had a tiny little Erwin ace, and he's like, "Yeah, five feet tall." He's in this awesome, like, fifties, like, safari suit is the best way to describe <laughs> how he used to dress for for uh, conventions and stuff. And just this yeah. little sweet man and everything, just funny as hell. So yeah, that was <sighs> that was really cool.
2: Um, I hadn't thought about Dandy in a while. That's a great, great strip. Yeah, man. No, so and it good. really, and and
1: really, I mean. A bit of a departure from what he was doing with Wildcat and Green Lantern. Oh and yeah, the, and the DC, you know, the All American comic stuff that he was doing in the forties and stuff. Oh yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, you read my mind. I was going to ask you about this, Doc. We're going to zoom in on you, but he wants to know uh, who, who, what the art is behind you on the wall.
2: Oh uh, well, you know, let me, <laughs> I yeah. Can. So all of this is my kids. Oh, that's great. Um, pretty much from. Here, that way, is my kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they come to the office and they'll just sit behind me and draw. Um, this, If you look right, uh, if I can coordinate this. Oh, my God. Come on, Evan. Uh. <laughs> okay. If you look, there's a diamond shape back there. My son made a Superman S for me.
1: Oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of, oh, it's cool. one of my
2: favorite things. Uh, oh, Let me see if I, can, if I can angle up. Um, I got a few prints back there. Wow. Um, there's a Steve Lieber print Um, some of the I wish I could remember the artist's name these two smaller ones down here are just two, they kind of look like 50's travel ad art oh fun, Um, yeah and then the Mars poster, I wish I remembered I got that off of um, I think it was Mondo maybe, or Gallery Nucleus I'm not sure, but it's just a it's a, you know, travel to Mars poster that I liked but that—I mean—that's just—that's just the print walls. <laughs> the 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 rest of it is art, like legit art and everything. But that's awesome. Yeah, and and the Libra thing is too far away,
1: so it's black and white. What does that depict?
2: That's <laughs> he has this great print of these Arctic apes sitting in like a natural hot tub. And in the middle of them is this giant gorilla with, a, like, a cup of coffee. I assume it's coffee. But it's this gorilla just lounging with a cup of coffee. And it's one of my favorite things ever. Um, Lieber's great. Th- partially because Steve's the best. I love Steve. And, oh, yeah. Um, but that's one of my
1: favorite things. His uh, Did you get a chance to do a Jimmy Olsen uh, cover at all?
2: No. Like, like um, that's and Fraction? I think – if the if I remember correctly, when they were doing Jimmy Olsen, we were pretty deep in on Strange, and I wasn't doing much else. So, okay, okay, I would have loved to, but that's that's okay. I mean, it's a Steve's incredible, and I loved what he did on that book. And then that's that, I, both.
1: Yeah, man. Uh All right, I'm I'm gonna dig this up, Greg. Greg wants to know where that sweet uh, Joe Quinones uh, Canary Zatanna cover is. And, uh, right here. <laughs> uh, all right, there you go. It's all right. I want you to pull it off the wall. It's all right, man. But yeah. uh, I, it's, I wish
2: I could show you. It's I, everything is on the wall so that I can see it while I'm working.
1: <laughs> um, Matt Donahue wants to know: uh, Will you do more Aquaman? Yeah, you did. You did great Aquaman stuff. Definitely.
2: I I would love to. It's he's one of my favorite DC characters, and I'd kill to do more Aquaman. Um, Getting to do that eight-pager with Parker was incredible. Um, I, w- I couldn't have asked for a better way to have my first Aquaman story um, than with Jeff. So ben, you, know, you and
1: Parker are a great team. I mean, I love Future Quest and the Flash Gordon stuff that you did. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, as you mentioned, the Aquaman stuff. So yeah, any, I don't know if uh, that's in your future at all. And again, you, I don't need you to spoil anything, but it'd be great to see you guys back together again.
2: I would, I would love to work with Jeff again. It's it when, when we worked on the Aquaman story, it had been a few years since we'd done anything together. I, you know, of course we kept in touch, um, because he's like, he's like my comics older brother. I can appreciate that. <laughs> I've I've known Jeff since I was in college, and we we've, we've known each other a long time, and he he really helped me when I first started working professionally. I I, I you know and even beside all the work we've done together, I wouldn't be where I am without him. Um, so it was nice when we worked on Aquaman to, it, it was very easy to, to jump back into that, that uh, partnership with Jeff.
1: So that's, that's, that's great, man. When uh, again, very early on, Jeff was one of my first uh, guests on word balloon and it was his interview. Mike Ringo emailed me and it's like, Hey, I'm having trouble downloading this conversation you had with my friend, Jeff. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was thrilled. I'm like, uh, would you like to come on my show? <laughs> I mean, and literally at that time, I had like Jeff and Mark and I mean, mm-hmm. and great, great guys, great creators and stuff. But it was so beginning, yeah. and truly, it was like, oh my god, here's a guy. And no disrespect to Mark or or uh, Parker, but I'm like, yeah, oh, damn man, Roy Carriga wants to be on my show. That's amazing. So yes, please. <laughs> So there's another group <laughs> shot of. Uh, I'm assuming this is like a Christmas card or something you made.
2: Yeah, for uh, for a few years, it's. I haven't done one in a year or two, but for a few years there, um, you know, come December, I would kind of take a look at whatever I had worked on that year and then throw it all into a, a fake holiday card. Are those that like year was. Those? Yeah. Are those yeah, that, those was, that was that was <laughs> that was the year I did um, Terrifics, Man of Steel, and Supergirl. Outstanding, um, man. That's so, great. You know, I loved that the Terrifics was really
1: uh, DiDio going, hey, all right, uh, listen, uh, they don't want to do Fantastic Four anymore. Let's uh, create a DC Fantastic Four. And that's essentially what he did, man,
2: which is great. You, and you wouldn't believe how long it took for that to clue in for me. I, really? Marie? I I met uh, with Marie Javins in Seattle the, the year before Terrifics. Finally hit the stands. And I was asking her, like, she she had mentioned the book to me, but didn't tell me the characters or anything. It didn't, really didn't give me any setup other than I think she told me Metamorpho would be in it. And so I already told her. I said, you already hooked me. So Damn straight, just tell man. me what I'm, the rest I'm, of it is. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And then she told me it was Mr. Terrific and Metamorpho and Plastic Man and a an, uh, newer character. And it took me forever to realize that it, this was Dan doing Fantastic Four. It was great,
1: man, and no, it was a lot. Of, it was fun while it lasted. I think it's a great, fun little side team. I hope
2: somebody picks up the threads of that and, and brings it back. Um, I think yeah. I saw that they were in a recent issue of Flash. I think I, oh. I you know, if they can kind of keep showing up and in the background every now and then, that's okay by me. Amen, son. No, I'm with you.
1: Yep. Yeah, Mr. Terrific was uh, the the Reed Richards, and Metamorpho was the thing. And uh, mm-hmm. although, also, you could say. It was divided between Mister Terrific and uh, and um, Plastic Man, obviously as far as the stretching and stuff. Yeah, so I,
2: it wasn't an exact one to no. one. for everybody, and I really like that.
1: Yeah, no, great team. I don't, I didn't remember the dog, but uh, that way, yeah.
2: That's <laughs> the thing is, I keep seeing along with Hoppy and Crypto, I keep adding these DC animals to my repertoire. That's great, <laughs> and. and and mutamorpho was one of them i don't know what they call him in the books but my son called him mutamorpho mutamorpho so that's, that's, that's just what we went with <laughs> that's nice. how old are your sons well uh i have a a daughter who's 12 soon and my son is going to be 7 next month so
1: oh that's great god man yeah. doc how how time flies i remember asking you to come on 7 years ago or so and you're like, hey, uh, we're expecting. I can't yeah. do it right now, and I'm like, yeah, Don't yeah. I understand,
0: <laughs> man. No, no, no. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has
2: anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo
0: when we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So
1: good Lord, yeah. now the kid's seven. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. that's amazing, man. Very, very cool. <laughs> um, here, let's get back and uh, see any other uh, other questions. Oh, Greg, Greg has some interesting comments. You seem to have the most fun with your character design sheets. Do you have any plans to collect them? and again we'll put, we'll pop up some of the ones like flash gordon shazam uh green lantern marvel 1872 strange <laughs> yeah. uh, in an art book now obviously that crosses a lot of different publishers and a lot of different intellectual property holders and that might be make it hard to right. sell a sketchbook per se like that i don't know
2: that's that's come up before i've had folks approach me about doing an art book and yeah the tricky thing is is pretty much everything I've done is licensed. Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't have the head for figuring that out. Now people have offered to figure that out for me, but even then it's, it's just, I I don't know if it's my own Midwestern sensibility that says I can't have an art book about me yet. That's not okay. <laughs> um, but you know, it's every, uh, whenever the character design sheets come up, you know, People talk about wanting a, another who's who or a that, like that Garcia Lopez uh, style guide from the eighties. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, and I, you know, I, obviously I have a lot of fun with the style guides that they, they, for me, they're uh, a nice way to figure out the character while I'm prepping for the next thing. And I enjoy just having them around. It's, it's a nice Free, <laughs> as sad as this is, in my free time I work on work. Um Well, you're figuring, you're figuring these guys and women
1: out. I mean, you know, in their designs yeah. and everything, I can appreciate that. God, we got to petition Marie. I mean, honestly, the amount of DC work—if you just did a collection of your your uh, your character sketches and also your covers, like the world finest cover that that I chose and everything, and the Legion mm-hmm. did the Flash ones you've done. I mean. That'd make a nice little volume. I could appreciate that. So Marie, okay. <laughs> I'll send a memo to Marie. We'll make it happen.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: Yeah. You no, know, no, no. And yeah, it's got to come from the outside. All the fans that are watching and listening, let's uh, let's bother uh, Marie Javins about uh, getting, uh, getting <laughs> a sure. celebration of Doc Shaner character character designs and covers. I think that would be great. <laughs> I'm
2: sure she'll love that.
1: <laughs> um. Mike says uh, Metamorpho, the element dog, is a tremendous name. I agree. How about Ramona Fraden, duck? Have you had a chance to meet her?
2: Uh, uh, so I've had a chance, and I chickened out because it was – I didn't realize until I saw her five feet away from me that that was very intimidating for me. Um, she, she could not be sweeter. I, and I've actually – I've exchanged yeah. emails with her because I inked and colored a Metamorpho cover for – Tom's book, uh, Danger Street. Yes, and she 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 couldn't have been kinder. She was very easy to work with. I, I it was a dream. I, I I managed to keep a decent cap on, like you're such a big deal to me, and because <laughs> um, that that original run of Metamorpho is incredible. It's it's pretty perfect comic bookery.
1: I'm with you, man. I'm so with you. Again, I, I was reading that stuff when I was a very little kid. I'm assuming they were maybe re, you know reprints in the 70s or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, I, at my first New York Comic Con, I got a Metamorpho sketch from her, and then um, I don't think I don't think she does shows like she used to. But she has two guys. Uh, she will do a bunch of five by seven like card mm-hmm. sketches, and they're reasonably priced. And oh, I yeah. have, I have a Green Arrow from her, and I have a Namor. I thought, you know, I would love to get an Aquaman from her, but having a <laughs> sure. Namor her is pretty cool, too. And, yes. uh, yeah, I've just got a handful of these small little pieces and stuff. And, yeah, she's – my God. And also, I can only imagine, and I don't know how willing she'd be to discuss them, but to be a woman during the Silver Age and being such a talented – just like Marie Severin and everything, to be such a talented artist. And uh, I, I wonder – you know, how how tough it was for her and also how much respect she got because she kept getting good gigs and deservedly so. Brilliant artist. Yeah. And to be in her 90s and still able to crank that shit out, God bless her, man. That's terrific. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Um, oh, Mike says, uh, ask, uh, ask Steve Rood how he gets permission for his art books with characters from multiple <laughs> publishers.
2: My guess is yeah. he
1: just does it.
2: Yeah, it's Steve. It's he, he just reminds them who he is.
1: <laughs> Maybe, yeah, you know, or and um uh oh that's interesting. Uh, Greg says there's precedent. DC published those art books for Darwin Cook and Frank Quietly. Uh, uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, Cook Quietly and Shane would be uh Shaner would be a, a perfect trio. No, I agree, man. I have that uh well I have that great Darwin collection of, yep, of yep. stuff. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yep, I got that too.
1: Yeah, you know, God, we talk about Ringo, we talk about Darwin and stuff. It's it sucks they're not around anymore.
2: It's, I, uh, I it's especially with some of the more you know recent yeah. passings. It's I so I you know I talk with Mitch and Clay about this quite a bit. Um, just being artists working today and, and the changing landscape and everything. Yeah, and just seeing the amount of people pass away lately in their fifties and sixties. Oh god, <laughs> you know, and I'm well, you know, and I'm. I recognize that I'm, you know, maybe I'm fretting a little too much. I, I, I'm, I'm not forty for another two years. Okay, it still, it still scares the hell out of me.
1: <laughs> I mean, I got twenty like, years. I got twenty years on you. Yeah. It scares <laughs> the shit out of me being fifty-eight. <laughs> I swear to God, and it, and it really, adds c two E two this year. Higgins is like hey, man, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, I know you had a couple of health scares the last couple of years. I'm like, yeah, but it's like my, I had a leg infection. I, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm okay. I'm like, I appreciate it. But <laughs> yeah. I, and believe me, I'm scared enough on my own when I see guy, right. now, um, the guy who played Punisher War Journal, Ray, and I forget his last name right now. Uh, uh, S- Stevenson? Yeah, Ray Stevenson. Ray Stevenson yeah. was my age. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, please. Yeah. No. You know, and I'm and I'm doing extra sit ups and, you know, extra laps and shit. It's like, all right, stay healthy. <laughs> right. Stay healthy. Come on,
2: man. Let's, let's <laughs> Well, that's why on. like guys like Joe Hubert and, you know, John Buscema, who lived pretty well long lives. It's it's I hate to say it like frame it that way, but it's an inspiration living that long
1: on this lifestyle. Oh, please. Absolutely, man. Uh, now, this is interesting, Doc, and I, and I'd love to see you maybe pursue this more. James says with many golden age characters going into the public domain in nine to 12 years, do you ever uh, think you would want to do unrestricted? Well, you know, obviously there is that group uh, that were part of um, uh, fiction house. And I forget, the, you know, the, uh, the black terror and uh, air, oh, um, you know, characters yeah. from the forties that already are in the public domain. Um, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about drawing any of those. And those do those designs
2: intrigue you in any way? Some of them more than others. Um, you yeah. know, I think there's a few of them that I can appreciate for the time they came from, but I don't know what I'd do with it now. Okay. Um. But yeah, I, it's that's you know it's been so long since I've really given a ton of thought to that because I've been at DC for a while now. Yeah. Um. That. I haven't given a ton of thought to that, but, you know, before I was exclusive, I, yeah, I, I, and again, I don't know, I'm not an expert on the legal standings of a lot of these characters, um, but, like, Zorro is still a huge deal to me. I would so, still love to do a Zorro book. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, I could
1: totally see you doing a Zorro book. That'd be amazing.
2: He's, he's so. one of my favorite things ever, like, the movie's. Oh, yeah. Books show I, I loved the show as a kid. Um oh the guy Williams uh the Disney Guy Williams show.
1: Me too, man. Is it sucks? I forget like the specific legalities of why Disney stopped doing it after two seasons, but yeah. it really was like a like a total business thing of and I forget what the you know IP holders wanted and what Disney didn't want to do. And it's like, well, oh, fuck you, we're done. And it's
2: like oh, <laughs>
1: it's yeah. so good jesus no and man and I listen I love Guy Williams from Lost in Space and that was my first exposure to him but then <laughs> right. I learn how great of a of a Zorro he was and it's like there was nobody more perfect to play Zorro than Guy mm-hmm. Williams he was, he was so perfect even more so than Errol Flynn and or not Errol Flynn um Shame uh t- is it, uh, Tyrone Tyrone Power a Boy Tyrone Powers yeah a Boy yeah. I know what you <laughs> you know your old Hollywood So do do any, because I don't see it when you design a character. Are there old Hollywood faces? Cause like, you know, Darwin and, and Alex, certainly Alex, Alex Ross all the time will be like, Hey, you know, who'd make a great Iron Man, uh, Timothy Dalton. And it's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, or God, what he just did for that fantastic four for full circle from last year. I mean, I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, that's Anson Mount. And then I learned talking to Alex, he's like, no, 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 that's Gary Conway from Land of the Giants, that Irwin. Oh, Anway. sure. And and I had Gary oh. on the show, and Gary Gary's in his eighties, and was so <laughs> thrilled that Alex and uh, and Saul Abenati approached Gary and said, "Hey, we want to cast you." As Reed Richards in this Fantastic Four story. What do you think? And Gary's in his 80s. He's like, hey, man, this is my Marvel movie. And I'm like, it absolutely (laughs) is, man. And it's true. And I Oh, it's, and really, you watch uh, on MeTV, like literally, like at three in the morning, depending on your time zone. They're showing Land of the Giants on Saturday night, Sunday morning. And man, you look at that, and that's Gary Conway, man. Absolutely, Reed Richards. It's oh, yeah,
2: fantastic. I, I never even, you know, I read that book. It never even occurred to me. But you're, yeah, absolutely. And Dean Lawn,
1: uh, he's co-star in Land of the Giants, that's his uh,
2: Sue. That makes uh, yeah score. okay oh, yeah it's hilarious that makes sense. <laughs> um, uh, no, I you know I don't know that – I always think of I know that Darwin based his Hal Jordan on Burt Lancaster. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, wow. that's the one I always think of when I think of folks, you know, and it's, I think he did this great thing where it's, it's reminiscent of him, but obviously it's not like a. Direct lift. Like, yeah. A, a, yeah. Directly, li- But it's, he's got so much of that, especially when I think originally how was supposed to be based on Paul Newman. You're right. And that's what
1: I was going to say. Absolutely. The original design. Was based on, um, you know, early sixties Paul Newman. Absolutely, right. Yeah,
2: but, you know, like, but Darwin would, puts that but, little bit of Lancaster in there in such a nice way. Oh, I'm gonna have to uh, relook. The, I have um, those fantastic that
1: that series of variant covers that Darwin did of all you know both uh, solo books and team books. They made mm-hmm. magnets out of those, and I bought yeah. like six of them, and I've got the Green Lantern ones, so and I got to really look at it and see if <laughs> I can see the Burt Lancaster in there that's that's outstanding uh, a lot
2: of it's in the profile and the hair that you can if you really hold it up against the the Gil Kane stuff you can see like oh Darwin's definitely doing something else
1: I can appreciate that uh, Greg asks uh, if you couldn't or didn't want to write the future Shars or a book is there a writer you'd love to work with on it
2: uh, oh I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Doc, do you want to write? Do you want to do everything on a book or are you happy to just do in the art? What's your what's your feeling on that?
2: So as you know, I as I kind of told you just a little bit as before we hopped on, um, I'm working on my next thing. Um I don't think it's too much to say I, I'm writing it. Great. So hey, that's awesome, um, man. And that's and I will make sure to keep myself <laughs> closed off there. That's <laughs> so fine, still, Doc. No, no, no. I don't wanna I, I I tell writers
1: and artists, and frankly, when I talk to editors and publishers too, the last thing I listen, it's great to get an exclusive. That's lovely. Sure. But the reality is I would much rather have the kind of conversation we're having. You don't have to yeah. make news. Let's just talk yeah. about the stuff you can talk about. God, I'm gonna do a convention. I was telling you off the... I was telling you this off the air. I'm doing a mm-hmm. uh, Terrificon in uh, Connecticut, yeah. and Rebecca Remain is going to be there. And oh. you know, and she's on that uh, Star Trek, um, Strange New Worlds. Oh so right, so yeah. She's the first officer, and the PR person's like, "Well, she can't talk about uh, uh, episodes that haven't aired." And we're all like, "Yeah, we know. It's fine." Aren't there? There's two seasons of that show, isn't there? Well, that's the thing. It's and also that's plenty to talk about. By, by the time she shows up, mm-hmm. like half the season mm-hmm. will have already aired anyway. So it's like, she could talk about that stuff, right? Well, of course. Well, then what's the, there's no problem. Relax. And that happened to me with Billy D. Williams when I talked to him the summer before um, Rise of Skywalker (laughs) came out. And it's like, he can't talk about the third Star Wars movie. I'm like, the guy has 50 years of movies I can talk to him about. I'm not worried. (laughs) Don't worry, man. Jesus. Uh, Oh, there you go. Uh, Ritesh says, uh, he's very excited that... uh, you're going to be writing a drawing. That's wonderful, and so it's great <laughs> as well. So that's great. Very cool. No man, we're all for it. That's great, man. Well, again, you know, you guys are. You guys, are, forgive me for stating the obvious. You guys are writers when you're drawing. You are writing. You are. I mean, it's you know the, the 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 director of the comic. To put it in Hollywood terms, is the writer. You're 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 doing the wardrobe. You're doing the composition of of the panels and the pages. All that mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, you're, you are writing alongside Tom or whomever or Parker or whomever you're collaborating with.
2: Well, it was, I, Mitch and I have talked about it. I think it was working on Strange Adventures with Tom that really, because he is so generous to his artists um, in terms of the space he gives you to really bring yourself to the book. It was working with Tom on Strange Adventures that made me think, yeah, and <laughs> I just heard it in my head before I said, "I can do that," <laughs> and I don't mean that as a slight to Tom <laughs> Not at all. But um, but no, it was he was so collaborative in that respect that it you know I really thought you know I have some ideas that I'd really like to do, um, and there's no reason I you know I've been at DC at that point I'd been there for six years. And I, it can't hurt. I know most of the folks up there pretty well. I, it can't hurt to say like, hey, I'd really like to write my next thing. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's, that's kind of how it came about.
1: So that's, that's excellent, man. Uh, Jason, nice comment here. Just wanted to say Doc's work reminds me of the love I felt for DC characters as a child. They smile and bring joy and inspire hope through their line work. You know, it's, it's true. I, listen, I love tons of Marvel but I I have to confess, when it came to comics, I came to DC first. My barber, uh, I my experience was getting my haircut when I was like a four year old and five year old kid, and they just had they had DC books, so I would see Carmine Infantino, yep, yeah. Deadman, and Gil Kane, Green Lantern, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know all that stuff. And man, I'll tell you, I remember all those crazy designs of uh, the Green Lantern core. You had the the tree Green Lantern, and you had um, Ah, uh, Marie and uh, you know, half yeah. and half uh, Green Lantern, you know, various guys like that. It was oh no, like all those designs. of dead man was just so interesting and exciting. Were you, uh, were you a DC kid first or a Marvel kid? Where, where, where did it start for you, uh, comic wise?
2: It's so I didn't really read superhero books as a kid, but this was during the time of Batman the animated series and. Sure. Uh, and Fox's Spider-Man cartoon and X-Men. Um, so that's how I got. And you know, and I watched. Um, it must have been Nick at Night, but I watched reruns of the George Reeves Superman show. Sure, with my dad. Um, so I got most of my superhero fix through TV, um, and in that respect, I mean, Batman was king for me. So it, I, I guess you could say I was a DC kid. But even then, I didn't. I didn't know the difference between DC and Marvel. I didn't know that they were different companies. I really liked Batman, Spider Man, and the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Those oh, were my guys.
1: No, that makes sense for your era, absolutely, man. So how did how did your discovery of Shazam and love of Shazam happen? I was
2: vaguely aware of him, um, just kind of because you know the the Ordway Krause series was going at the time. Sure. So the so the like two times I think I went into the comic book store, I would see it around. Um, I don't know that I really was aware of the character beyond the, the absolute barest description of him. Um, but it wasn't until later when I got into comic books after kind of falling away from superhero stuff um, that I kind of came back around to Shazam and and it was... It must have been that original graphic novel that Jerry did, with, that was reestablishing Cap's place in the DC universe, and yeah. um, that must have been what what hooked me. Now that I think about it, but uh, no, I, I you know I, I I was mostly aware of stuff on the fringes. Like I knew more about the Mask than I did <laughs> than sure. most superheroes, absolutely um, because because he scared the hell out of me. and
1: was that through the movie or through the comic well
2: yeah i mean i knew i saw him in the movie first but then i would see the dark horse stuff at the comic book store yeah and i remember my my mom let me buy a bunch because she was aware of the movie and i took it home and there was (laughs) there was something with like the mask unleashed a barrel of monkeys with chainsaws on a crowd or something. And it, I was just like, "This is the scariest thing I've ever seen."
1: <laughs> um, have you talked to Jerry Ordway about Shazam and Captain Marvel and the family?
2: Yeah, uh, a few years ago, it must have been Heroes Con. They put okay. Jerry and I on, on a on a panel to talk about Shazam. Oh, that's um, great. And I, I Jerry has been so kind to me over the years. Um, him and Pete Kraus both. Oh, wonderful! Sure, just been. I've known Pete for a long time now, and when I um, when I first got the convergence Shazam gig, he we'd been talking for a long time before that, and he knew what a big fan I was. Uh, Pete brought me a um, Mego Captain Marvel that he had laying around, and this I'm gonna. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you can get this anywhere. But Pete, it's it's just a thunderbolt pin. And but Pete very kindly he gave it to me and he had this little thing about like welcome to the Captain Marvel Club. And he was he couldn't have been sweeter. He's one of the my favorite people on earth. He's no, he's great. I'm so glad you
1: mentioned Pete. Uh he's terrific and I've loved everything that he's done with Wade mm-hmm. on uh both when they were doing their digital Thrillbent comics and mm-hmm. the whole irredeemable series and everything. No, Pete's yeah. Pete's terrific. That's That's great. My first exposure to Captain Marvel, it was a a summer trip to the Wisconsin Dells. And I don't know if it was in the hotel or some gift shop along the way or whatever, but they had that big 70s treasury edition. It was the white cover. And it's it's Cap and and Billy's in front of him. And you got, you know, with one magic word, Shazam. And, uh, you know, it's this great Superman pose. I had no idea who Captain Marvel was. And my dad sees me looking at it and he goes, Oh, hey, that's Captain Marvel. You want that? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yes, please. Can I? He goes, and it was great. And truly, like, I'm like seven. And you yeah. know, he's, he's like in his in his 40s. And he's like, oh, this is one of my favorite heroes, man. He goes, Look at it. There's Dr. Savannah. And he's name checking, <laughs> Aki And I'm like, Dad, I had no idea you were into comics. This is great! Oh, so, that's so cool. Yeah, it was like a new dimension of my father's son uh, bonding with my dad and everything. It was it was just wonderful, man. You've got uh, that's very our, nice. Yeah, man. James Bunt, uh, a couple good questions here. He wants to know what tips or advice would you give costume designers on bringing superhero costumes to life?
2: I'm assuming he means like for movies and shows.
1: He and stuff. did. He, follow, he followed up and added in the movies. Yes.
2: Okay, um, I I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's such a different. It's such a different beast when you when you really. I mean, because they, they've tried in the past where it's like a one to one, literally bringing what's on the page, to, and it doesn't all. You know, depending on the character, of course, but Agreed. it doesn't always quite work. Just because there are a lot of things that we as readers, the same way, like you could draw a simple face but the reader doesn't think about the fact that it's simple. The reader just sees the face and they, and what they're responding to is the, the life that the artist puts into it. It's the same way with costumes where the reader is just accepting what we see on the page for what it is. When you see that in real life, it does, it's not the same, um, which is kind of how you end up with the Superman suits that look, they have the, Texture of a basketball,
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> or Henry Cavill's uh, Man of Steel outfit, yeah, absolutely. Which you absolutely.
2: know, in in my opinion, is overkill, but it's I, you got to do something with it. I get that.
1: Well, you're um, right, Brandon. Brandon Routh, uh in the Singer Superman Returns, it was right, it was on model, but you're right. There's something, you know. They again, it's the problem with spandex. You know, the X Men guys and and Singer had that problem. In yeah, the 90s yeah. When they first started doing the X-Men movies and they yeah. put them in the leather outfits and it's like, yeah, spandex doesn't work. And, and, you know, no, you're right. It's, it's gotta be the right, the right lighting, the right costume, the right circle, the right, the right actor. The it, yeah,
2: exactly. Like you never know how it's going to fit on that specific person that it's going to. I think there's a lot of great costumes now that honor what's come, you know, in the past some of these characters are almost 80 years old now. hundred um,
1: percent. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That, that honor, you know, the character's history while maintaining a, a degree of believability in a modern context. Um, but it's tricky. I, you know, it, it would be the same thing that I would say about designing characters for the page. It's about simplicity. Uh, it's about shapes, the, the overall shapes and, um, it's about the silhouette. Sure. Uh, you know, if, yes. if it, you got to be able to see that character from far away and up close and at the same, at both distances know who that is. Um, and that's tricky. It's a really tricky balance. And I think some costumes knocking out of the park, I I'm struggling to think at the moment now, of ones that really killed it, but um. And then you know, there's some that I think are just way too complicated. And I, you know, the the Shazam movies, I I actually really liked the first movie costume. I thought I, I was surprised how well they they managed to streamline that and make it absolutely a Captain Marvel slash Shazam suit, while also making it something modern. Um, and it's and this isn't really even a dig at the second movie's costumes, but they they added a lot of little clasps and doodads to it that I, I didn't really understand. I I hear you. Did you watch uh, Stargirl? on uh... the first season.
1: Okay. Um, I have yeah. not.
2: Yeah. that's I'm behind. Well, no,
1: no, no. But, you know, when they would show both uh, the kids taking over the legacy versions of the JSA, mm-hmm. but also the classic JSA, I was really impressed. And it reminds me, the next time I talked to John's, I'm going to have to ask him about that because, man, you know, they they really got a lot of the Golden Age uh, designs right in so many great ways. And, you know, mm-hmm. I got those uh, those PVC little, you know, four inch oh, yeah. JSA statues and stuff. And honestly, yeah. man, I, I'm such a sucker for those Golden Age designs and really <laughs> like Golden Age Hour, man. That is my favorite superhero costume. That's a good
2: that's a good design. I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I was thinking the same thing. Our man's a very good design.
1: And like you said, it's the simplicity of it as yep. well. And truly, as you said about faces, and I and I'm glad I remember to mention this as well. I won't name the podcaster, but he was really shitting on Kurt Swan. And I'm like, you do not get it. Because he is he's like, Excuse he's me. Well, exactly. He's like, he's <laughs> deceptively or he goes, he's simple. He's too simple. And it's like, it's all deceptive. And as I'm sure you well know, there's that wonderful page of just Superman facial expressions. And that's all you need to know about Kurt Swan right there. And it's true. Yeah. I mean, for such a simple design and the subtlety of a smirk from Superman or balls out laughing or just a straight look and stuff. I mean, no, Kurt Swan, genius, genius.
2: That, that page is a masterclass in character acting absolutely i yeah it's i don't i don't want to kick folks either but it's you know that's that's crazy <laughs> wow well, because that's that's, that's that's a really good page i lost a lot of a little respect
1: for the guy after he said that and it's like <laughs> and i've never confronted him about it because that's never going to work out well so it's okay True. you know people can people can have their opinions it's all right <laughs> uh, uh jason garza says uh, the fleischer suit in Superman and Lois is, super, is superb. I agree. I'm yeah. really glad they brought that classic look back. Uh, the, uh, the
2: Fleischer suit in that one and the Kingdom Come suit that Ralph wore were both fantastic.
1: I Man, I am so glad that they cast Ralph as Kingdom Come Superman in that crossover. It's so funny. I was talking to Guggenheim last night, and I'm sure I've mentioned to him in previous conversations. But it was so like justice for Brandon Ralph because – he was so great in Superman Returns, and the mm-hmm. little problems with that movie had nothing to do with his performance. Um, you know, yeah, like I mean, certainly, and especially now in the current age, you know, when you got when you got Superman kind of like spying on Lois and her husband, it's like, yeah, that's a little creepy <laughs> for Superman. Yeah. That's not cool. And and again, I think it was an innocent scene that, uh, under today's lens, can get reinterpreted as much creepier than deser- deservedly so. But no, Brandon, sure. is, Bran- I mean, Brandon's got everything going for him, much like Henry Cavill in terms of he's this big, good looking guy that so exudes both Clark Kent and Superman. It's like and, and also isn't it interesting because Tyler Hecklin looks like he's maybe five foot nine, maybe maybe 170 it's, pounds.
2: And he got he is goddamn Superman. He's great. I get the feeling he's one of those guys that is probably if you're standing next. I mean, I'm not a tall guy. I'm not even But if concerned. I'm if I was talking to him, I'd be like, "Oh, damn, you're tall." But you know, some folks, the camera just makes you look short. That could be. You're right. That could be as well. It just seemed like he and uh,
1: Melissa Benoist were uh, like kind of the same size. Might be. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm so fine with it because he's great. I have to confess, this season is troubling for me because I don't want to watch Lois Lane dealing with cancer. I mean, I get it <laughs> from a dramatic standpoint. Oh, spoiler. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Spoiler. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, <laughs> no, I I had seen something about it. I'm behind on most anything comic book related. I'm I'm pretty well behind on. I've seen the first season and a half of
1: Okay. Well I won't spoil. Last season was amazing. Okay. Last That's season what I hear. Great. They they took an idea, and everyone who's watching and listening knows what I'm talking about if they watched it. I won't spoil it for you unless you, on the off chance, you don't know. But I was really impressed because it it could have been much clunkier than it ended up being. And I thought it was a brilliant interpretation of a classic Superman trope. So, you know. um, Oh, uh, Ritesh says, I remember Frank quietly talking about how, while designing modern superhero outfits in the 21st century, he was looking at a lot of the uh, outfits of athletes for inspiration with Dawn of DC. Have you made new designs for any of these current characters moving forward? Um, there's something coming. I don't want you to obviously spoil, but, yeah, have you have, have they used any of your designs?
2: That's a great question. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Um, I not Nothing's coming to mind off the top of my head, but, you know, I've, I've done that kind of work in the past where it's – and it's not my – favorite thing to do I typically if I'm designing a character or a character's outfit I typically want to be the one who's going to end up drawing it in the book but I've done the job a few times where I'm just designing it for somebody else to take take on their own book and it's a tricky because because we're all so different now especially as we've all kind of veered away from a house style to speak of um we're all kind of bringing our own thing to these characters and i'd much rather let an artist kind of do their own thing with a character than feel like they have to stick with something i laid out you know the, the way i designed a character is very much for me knowing that i'm going to draw that character a billion times um i i hate to put that on somebody but uh i yeah i've done that kind of work and it's it's very tricky because you have, you also have a lot of masters to please with that kind of work good you know honestly doc that
1: you're absolutely right it is a tightrope working at dc or marvel and satisfying your own artistic instincts also mm-hmm. knowing that it's got to get editorial approval and everything so so i can appreciate that well and mm-hmm. uh uh yeah so oh jason i like this question uh green lantern question do you see the uh green lantern suit as energy or cloth interesting
2: I think this is, again, when I was talking about the, the difference when you're translating these from page to screen, the way the reader interacts with that costume, we don't really think about it. Unless we're seeing Hal or John or whoever, you know, do the thing with right, the ring. Where it kinda, right. we, don't, we don't really think. And same thing with, like, the flash. when he, When it pops out of the ring, we're not genuinely thinking about, like, well, how does it fold up in there? And how does it... Cloth shouldn't be able to fold that many times. Um, none of us are thinking about that, but it, it my approach is I know that story wise, it's energy, it's will power, it's okay. thought, okay. what have you. Um, but I'm going to treat it for the most part, like a suit he has to put on. If we're saying that how, for instance, this is a manifestation of what he thinks a uniform is, there's a good chance it's going to have scenes on the gloves because that's what he knows. Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think it depends on the character uh, specifically because maybe I wouldn't do the same thing for Kilowog or any other number of alien lanterns. Um, I understand. But it's hard well, to
1: that's, say. That's why you go back to that original showcase story and it was Abin Sur's spacesuit. I mean it really was. I always took yeah. this cloth when I when I saw it in that original origin and everything. Um James Wants to know, and again, as a Spider-Man fan, any thoughts of uh Into the Spider-Verse, which is starting up pretty pretty soon.
2: I'm so excited. I <laughs> that first one was one of my favorite movies in years. And down to the like one of those things that I didn't see coming for years, I'd felt like we need more feature film animation for superhero, like for for these superheroes, because there's so many of these characters that are either floundering or they can't seem to quite find a take on in live action that would kill it in animation. Shazam's one of them. I, I think it's, you know, whatever your opinion on the live action movies, I think a Shazam animated movie would destroy. Kids would eat that up. I agree with him. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I didn't see Spider-Verse coming when it when it first released years ago. So I took my daughter to it and had a great time and it that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I instantly I had to the soundtrack is amazing. Um the, the composer Daniel Pemberton is incre- he did so many amazing things on that score. Yeah. I went and got the art book, you know, just and finding out that people I knew had worked on it. And getting to talk to them about, like, why would you do this? and what You know, what how did you do this? Um, I am so excited about the second one. My son and I have been talking about it all week. That's great.
1: <laughs> you know, honestly, man, um, I love the DC animated movies. I think they've been great. And I think from yeah. the Tim era to the James Tucker era to the current era and stuff, they're mm-hmm. terrific. But the, the visual choices that were in the first Spider-Verse movie and now this new one, I mean, they just go to town, and also too, was it? Um, it wasn't Ms. Marvel. What? what oh, it was uh, 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 Devil, Devil Girl, or Dinosaur. I forget the Marvel. Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Oh, yes, Moon. Thank you, Moon
1: Girl and Devil yeah. Dinosaur. All that design stuff was terrific, and it's those kind of choices and experimentation that I want to see more in superhero animation because it absolutely lends itself to that. And the the possibilities, as we've seen in those examples, are endless. And I'm really glad they're thinking along those lines because I really just think it's that's what makes animation exciting versus comic books being exciting versus live action being exciting.
2: Yeah. Yep. So and you can see, like I like looking back, you can just see where animation was kind of standing (laughs) at a window and Spider-Verse kind of pushed it out the window <laughs> and really forced it to, like, evolve. You can see it ripple across the different studios and even comic book. I know, like, Mitch and I have talked about the, the kind of effect that movie had on us artistically and in terms of pushing our envelopes a little bit. It's it's just incredible. That's cool. Would animation be something you'd ever want to get into? Uh, I it's, it's kind of that... I I look at animation from afar, lovingly, yeah. and I want to go there. <laughs> but I don't have any experience. Um, I wish I had had any kind of training or an experience in it, because it's come up a few times. I know a good handful of guys at WB, and we've talked oh. in the past about um, storyboarding and character design stuff. Um, but the opportunity just hasn't come up because – you know, understandably, they have their own people in studio to pay. Sure, and I don't want to take a job from somebody else. Um, so hopefully, the opportunity comes, I would I would love to do that kind of stuff. I'm so envious of, of some of my friends who've done that kind of work. It looks so cool.
1: Do you have any creator own ideas? As you say, mostly you've uh, virtually mostly you've done licensed characters. Um, you know,
2: I've I've had a few things. Um, just kind of. Like I said, I've been at D.C. for a while, so I kind of after a while, I put those on the back burner. You know, I didn't want to put them away completely. I, I try to think about it now and then. But I think part of it is also when you sit with something long enough, you tend to realize, well, I haven't done anything with it by now. Maybe I need to pivot and, and think about something else. Um, and, it, you know, and in that meantime, when you're thinking on something for a long time, somebody will come along and do something. So similar to it that you're like, well, maybe I need to either completely pivot that, <laughs> that idea I had or just decide that, you know, it, I missed the window on that. Um, so it's it, I've got certain things I'd, I'd like to do. I definitely want to do something of my own at some point. But right now, for this specific moment, I'm OK being IP guy. <laughs> That's cool. Greg has a great question regarding your writing.
1: What strategies have been you using to structure your new book? Which writers have you been looking at uh, the most for inspiration and guidance? Garth Ennis and uh, Steve Dillon's approach to splash page placement, et cetera.
2: Uh, How to to approach this? Um, I mean, a lot of it is just what I've learned from working with writers over the years. I've been extremely fortunate in my relatively short time in the industry to work with incredible writers. Um, And I hesitate to start naming because I'll forget somebody, but um, every writer I've worked with in the past 10, 12 years is somebody that I never, many of them, I never thought I'd get to work with. Um, And just being able to work with them and kind of learn their process, what I can glean from it, from working with them, um, has been huge, uh, enormously educational. Um, Tom has been great to talk to um, since I started working on this. Uh, he, he's been very generous with his time and his thoughts. Um, so I don't, you know, it's, I don't have a, a ton of like writing books behind me that I've leafed through a lot of it is um, instinct and what I've learned over the years working on comic books where I felt like, and this, I, you know, this is nobody in, uh, in particular, it's not a specific thing, but I would think like, well, they did this, but I would have maybe done this and maybe this could have led that way. Um, So it's, yeah, I, I, I don't get too clinical uh, as of yet. I'd say about my approach. Um, did did DC put you together with Josie?
1: How did you guys find each other as collaborators on Mary and Marvel?
2: That was we uh, we were finishing Strange, and I had been getting the ball rolling on this thing that I'm writing next, um, and knowing full well that it would take a while to get greenlit. And that's just the matter of things right now. Is that. Books take a while to get green lit right now. Um, sure. uh, so I knew that I would have some downtime. And uh, my editor, Brittany Holter, on uh, Strange, uh, had asked me, she said, uh, we're starting up a Mary Marvel miniseries. Would you be up for a cover? And I said, well, yeah, of course I would. I love Mary. Um, but then I said, so who's drawing the book? And she said, oh, we don't have anybody right now. And I said, oh, you do now. Actually. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Because uh, I I'd been saying for such a long time that the the way to get me to come back to Shazam was to give Mary the book. Wow. Um, because I felt very you know because Freddie had trials of Shazam, and of course Billy led the book for so long. Yes. I really felt like it's kind of crazy that Mary hadn't been the lead yet. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the, Josie had already been hired. <laughs> Uh, I believe by Brittany to to write the book. Uh Josie was a is also a huge Mary Marvel fan. That was when we first got to talking, that was how we connected was our mutual love of Shazam and and the long history of it. Um so she, you know, she had already been working for WB animation and other, you know, Netflix and uh, uh, several uh animated shows. Yeah. Um but uh, she was such a joy to work with, too. I had such a good time. She was kind of like Tom and Parker, uh, so collaborative and really seemed to understand what made me tick a little bit and what I like to do. Um, so she she was such a blast to work with. She's uh, She's been great continuing the Shazam
1: story, as she did mm-hmm. during Lazarus Planet and those mm-hmm. features and stuff. So and listen, hey, I'm, I'm I'm glad Wade is doing the current Shazam book, and I love Dan stuff. Love what they did on World's Finest, and continue yeah. to do. And goddamn, Dan Dan must be Barry Allen with uh, the ability to do two monthlies.
2: <laughs> I don't know what that is.
1: <laughs> wow,
2: yeah, no whatever. Shit.
1: Good lord, whatever Dan's made of. <laughs> and and more power to him. I I think that's yeah. that's fantastic. Um, yep. James wants to know just a couple more, and then we'll wrap up. Um, are there any art instruction books that you swear by?
2: That's tricky because there's the old standbys like the Andrew Loomis stuff. Um, okay. You know, I talking about Joe Kubert. I <laughs> I went and got every single one of those Kubert school books that they sell, um, and and lived by them. Yes, but at the same time, I. You know, I have an art degree and I got the foundations in college, but. What's your school? What was your school? Central Michigan University. It was, oh, um, Excuse me. yeah, well, no, yes, it's yes, it's because yes. I didn't go, <laughs> I didn't go to college for art. It was, oh, okay. it was too, <laughs> whenever they like, whenever the deadline is that you have to pick a major is when I finally said, well, okay, I'll get an art degree. Um. So I ended up, you know, I, I did the, the like, the barest foundation of classes to get my degree. Uh, but everything I've learned about drawing comics specifically, I learned after college on my own just from doing it. Wow. Yeah. I- and that's, and I, that's what I end up telling a lot of younger folks looking to get in. Like, where do I start? What do I search out? What books do I, should I go to college for art? And the truth is we all come to the job differently. Everybody has a different route, route into the job. Um, so I can't tell you what the right path is to take. For me, it's I got a pretty solid degree uh, foundation in drawing and color. And everything else is just picking it up as I go. That's great,
1: man. Honestly, I, I really appreciate that. You know John Hickman before he started pairing with artists, pretty much uh, did the same thing with graphic design and just kind of right. figuring things out on his first creator-owned books. Um, Jason wants to know uh, JLA or JSA for you.
2: I mean <laughs> JLA. I guess I don't. I don't think of them as like one or the other so much.
1: Yeah, we don't have to. Um, choose. I I so I know it's Sometimes it's those Elvis Beatles. Like, which is better? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. You know? But in the real world, we don't have to choose. They're both great. Right. So, no, I get it, man. Although, I will admit, you know, I think I was really lucky growing up in the 70s and those 100-page spectaculars that they'd have a front new feature and then a bunch of reprints in the back really mm-hmm. got me into the JSA because they would reprint sure. those all-star stories and stuff. And it's like, who the fuck are these guys? And, <laughs> and, and I read that uh, showcase of Dr. Fade and Our Man, their team up, where uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern shows up. And I'm like, that's not Green Lantern. He's got blonde hair. And what's with yeah. the costume and stuff? But the I, <laughs> immediately I, I fell in love with Alan Scott. And like he is like my favorite Lantern, as much as I love Hal and all the other guys and stuff. It's like, huh, fun. And really, when James Robinson and uh, Paul... Damn it, now my brain freeze. Uh, the Golden Age book, where uh, you know. Oh, uh, Paul Smith. Paul Smith, thank you, man. Yeah, that that post-war story of the JSA and just mm-hmm. how Johnny Quick is like, you know, Alan's Alan's the man. You know, they all they all respect like Alan uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern is basically the Superman of the All American line of heroes. Mm-hmm. When you had National and you had All American and stuff, and it's right. like, no, I get it, man. He's he's the best, and he's so. He's, he's just this natural leader the way that James wrote him and Paul drew him and stuff. Ah, so good. Oh yeah. So that's so funny. All right. A couple last ones. Uh, James wants to know if you're a super friends, uh, fan.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think as much as anybody else, um, I got a couple of the DVDs in college and my, my kids and I watch them in the, the, uh, the Aquaman cartoon from time to time. Oh, that's great. The sixties Aquaman cartoon. Sure. It's that show cracks me up. The way everything about that show is so weird and funky, the like half the <laughs> none of the characters can agree on how to pronounce Aquaman. It's amazing. <laughs> I got to rewatch. That's fantastic. I never noticed. that. Half, there's there's these like old Atlanteans who half the time are just like down there pointing up above as Arthur swims away, going, "Oh, there goes Aquaman." Aquaman. That's right. Meanwhile, me up. Aquaman.
1: Using his underwater <laughs> abilities. And I just love that it's Ted Knight as the narrator on the super. Yeah. yeah. And, and very much in his Ted Baxter voice. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> later at the Hall of Justice. Um, so, and then finally, Greg says, uh, he wants to know, what are the biggest non-comic influences on your new book? Any movies or books you can talk about? Again, I, uh, you know, yeah, I will caution you because I don't want you to spill. Sometimes, you know, they're fishing. For facts, yeah. But that's, he said, that's, you know, as an example, he's like Tom likes to repurpose and remix plots from old movies. For instance, absolutely, he yeah.
2: Does. I don't have my trunk of noir movies, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, that's really tricky because, as I think you suspect, if I were to say mo- any one of. Um, it would probably be a spoiler. Yeah,
1: all right. We It's all right,
2: buddy. I, you know, one that I think uh, so. That's not a huge and in- like it's not. I don't want anybody to hear this and think, oh, that's the book. But um, planes, trains, and automobiles is one of them. The <laughs> that's one of my favorite movies, and it's not the book I'm doing is not a comedy. But there is an aspect of that to it. Interesting. Okay,
1: that's very yeah. good. I was expecting, like, Clint Eastwood or somebody, and then we could jump and go, oh, he's doing Jonah Hex. Sure, of course. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'd love to do Jonah Hex.
1: Dude, oh, my Ooh, God. I'd and love I've, to do a Western, yeah. I've told, I've told Jimmy and Justin Gray, Palmiati and Gray a million times, that run on Jonah Hex. And also, God, it's a shame, uh, Doc, that you weren't one of the artists that they tapped for that run because – Darwin's issues so many other great artists just put their stamps on Jonah Hex, and they were all such great, done-in-one, single-issue stories. The
2: best, man. That was just before my time, and I I kick myself all the time for it. And I've I've made it very well known to to Jimmy. That's something I would have killed to to have worked on, because I I love Westerns. Um, And, yeah, Darwin's issues, uh, I made sure... That anytime Jordy Bernay drew the book, that I that was in my pull list. I loved his work on Jonah Hex.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, great stuff, man. Uh, the best, you know, I've got it, it's off camera and I'm, it's on the wall, or I'd, I'd show it. Um, I have a Tony de Zuniga uh, Jonah Hex. Uh, <gasps> uh, yeah, yeah, that I bought in, <laughs> in 2009 and got for literally like 60 bucks. And I'm like, I, it's one of my favorite Wow. People. Well, you know, this is before uh, prices really went crazy, Mm -hmm. and I got a lot of my uh, commission stuff back then. You know, I'm so glad I remembered to tell you, Doc. I might have mentioned this to you before, but uh, Kyle Latino from Indianapolis, wonderful. Oh, yeah. And I missed him. I don't even know what he's doing now. He is such a great artist. I have Mm -hmm. no idea, like, if he's working in comics or graphic design, but such a brilliant artist. He sent me these great pieces that he just gave me, uh, he knows I'm a massive Patrick McGowan, the prisoner fan. And he made this <laughs> wonderful combination of Patrick yeah. Magoon's number six <laughs> and a Sean Connery 007. And they're there, and it's a beautiful shot, and it's and the number six and seven behind them. So that's great. But in the mailer he sent me, it had this great iron fist that apparently you drew <laughs> on a, on a what and that's, a cheap awesome. skate. that's <laughs> the only piece of your art that I, and I kept it because it is, so, and it's just this great simple head and upper torso shot of Iron Fist. First of all, I'm a massive Iron Fist fan and it's a, like, it's a very simple drawing, but you nailed it. And it's so great. Cause he run in there. Hey, for, for an extra, here's a Doc Shiner Iron Fist. And I'm like, that's awesome.
2: That's so, I used to do that for friends and Kyle at the time was a huge Iron Fist fan. Um. So that's yeah. That makes that sounds about right. It's so funny you mentioned that because like at least two or three of the stories I've I've told tonight. Kyle is just on the edge of them. Oh wow! Like, Kyle and his brother Jason are the ones that dragged me to that first convention to meet Joe Kubert. Wow! That was all. I, I probably there's a good chance I may not have done it if not for them. So those those two mean the, the world to me.
1: He's a brilliant artist. He drew um for my boxing podcast the image of the Big Bout podcast and it's two fighters in mid fight and everything. And it's, it's beautiful. And so classically inspired by wonderful oil paintings of boxers through the years. And no, Kyle's a brilliant artist. I I really, I know he was working with a few of our mutual friends as far as doing little stories here and there. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what's happened to him. I hope he's, I hope he's well, I hope he's still drawing and I hope he, I would love to see him get back into comics at some point.
2: I th- I haven't seen him in a little bit, um, and we we've kind of lost touch over the years a bit. But um, last I talked to him, he's doing well. Good. And yeah, he's he's. I, I think he's an incredible artist. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure.
1: No, I just don't think the right people have discovered him or whatever and given him yeah. opportunities. You know. So who was who was the guy or woman that really noticed you and said, "Oh no, no, we got to sign this guy."
2: Oh. <sighs> blah. I think, well, I mean, you know, it's that thing of how do you define when you finally broke in? Um, my first DC work was because of Ron Mars. Um Great. But, you know, if you go back further, it's uh, Nate Cosby who used to be an editor at Marvel. Yep. Um, he was the first guy to, to really work with me on comics. Uh, cool. We worked. Did some creator own stuff at Dark Horse and then he's the one who paired Jeff and I up on Flash Gordon. So it's, you know, it's any number of ways you want to count who kind of saw me. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I have Marie to thank for still being under contract at DC. Uh, and getting a contract in the first place. Um, so it's, you know, it's like anybody else, it's it's a tree of of folks that kind of helped me get to sure. where I am. Doc, you're killing it, man, and I know. I'm
1: sure I said that to you last time we talked as well. But really, very excited to hear about this creator own or not creator own, but this solo book that you're going to do for DC. I'm assuming. It's. Yep. Uh, and yes. So, yep. So we look forward to that announcement, and uh, you know, you expect to expect a call from me to uh, for to reconvene and do a new conversation. Hell, even yeah. before the book starts, and certainly as as uh, I don't, I don't even want to know. If it's uh, a twelve issue series, if it's a five issue series, whatever it is, we'll wait and get our we'll wait and get our announcement when it happens. But it's <laughs> wonderful that uh, DC recognizes how great you are, and you know, I mean, from especially based on the great questions we got tonight and stuff. Uh, yeah. We're all loving it, man, and we're we're excited to get more from you. So, congratulations!
2: Thanks so much, John.
1: Great talking to you as always, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, thir- um, I gotta do my calendar. In my head oh, Thursday night is uh is gonna be uh, Van Jensen is coming on. Oh, great! And stuff. Yeah. So Things yeah, it's awesome. been, yeah, it's been a great week, man. I was talking to Guggenheim yesterday, and uh, mm-hmm. my buddy Bill Detloff, who's a great boxing writer, on Monday. I got you. I, I got I got Van. So uh, yeah, yeah, this will be great, man. Uh, so everybody check that out. That's tomorrow night. Thanks for watching tonight. Until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy.